This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, Session 4. And the quote of the day is from my favorite author, my man Napoleon Hill, who said, whatever the mind can conceive and believe, it can achieve. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Ruffini, and we're coming at you with information, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with the Drummer's Resource Podcast. And I got my buddy Rich Redman here, who is the drummer for Jason Aldean. But he's also played with Ludacris, Kelly Clarkson, Brian Adams, Joe Perry, Jewel, Miranda Lambert, Luke Bryan, Eric Church. I mean, this guy has played with everybody. He's been on 10 number one singles with over 7 million albums sold and over 13 million single download he's a showman he plays in in front of 25 to thirty thousand fans a night at arenas and stadiums uh he's been on every single tv show that you can think of the voice the tonight show with jay leno the tonight show with conan o'brien jimmy fallon the jimmy kimmel show craig ferguson good morning america the today show the list goes on and on and on he is a graduate of the university of north texas tech and played in the prestigious one o'clock lab band uh, in addition to all the touring work he does and studio work, studio work he does. Excuse me. He also has a company called New Voice Entertainment, which they have. Um, they've been working with peop- uh, a group called Thompson Square. Uh, they had the single "Are You Gonna Kiss Me or Not." It was a number one single and the most played song on the radio in 2011. So Rich is the real deal, and he's a busy guy, and I'm super, super excited that he took some time out of his day to to spend it with us. So Rich, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. I know you're busy. Thanks so much for, for doing this. It's great to have you on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's really cool to have you on here, especially for me. I don't know if you remember this, but like I first met you, I sent you an email, and like 30 seconds later you responded to it and you're like yeah man let's chat so you're like here's my number and and i called you and i you know you missed the call or whatever you called me back and i didn't call you back for like a day or two and then you called me again and you're like hey man you know do you you, you want to chat or, or what's going on and i it really hit home because i was like man you know you're you're doing all this stuff and and you you're still accessible and humble so how how much of that do you think really plays into your success? Oh man, well that's nice to hear. Um, you know, I, I think I think you know people's schedules go and and you probably caught me at a good time. You know, when I when I had my inbox cleared out, you know, but uh, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I I try to I try to be accessible to everybody just because I remember when I was coming up, I wanted to have access to to drummers that I looked up to and. God, to be able to ask questions like that to my heroes, you know, that'd be, you know, just to, just to say, Hey, what size is that bass drum? Or how did you right. do this? Or how did you do that? You know? So I try to be that way. Sure. Sure. So now let's, let's actually, now that we're there, let's go back from when you were coming up. Like, how do you go from, you know, how's that journey go from being this kid that, you know, just starts playing drums to, playing at Madison Square Garden like you just did, you know, last winter? Um, yeah, great question. You know, um, I think, you know, 
um, you know, everybody has a purpose in life and, you know, mine was, mine was to play the drums and I recognized that early on, you know, I mean, a lot of people, you know, develop interests and passions and they get good at a variety of things. I don't necessarily think I'm a renaissance man, you know, I mean, I, I look at some people that are like, wow, this person is an actor and they're a musician and they paint and they do poetry. It's like, man, mm-hmm. I play the drums, man. That's how I express myself. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a very expressive person. I'm a very emotional person. You know, you know, you being Italian, I'm half Italian. I didn't get the Italian last name, but you know, we're we're a very artistic right. and emotional people, and um, you know, that kind of comes. That's how I express myself through my drumming, you know. And it's been a, it's been a wonderful ride. I just I held on to that vision of wanting to play on the big stage and hear myself on the radio and see myself on the video channels and 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 and, and achieve that you know, version of, 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 of success, you know, that I defined for myself. So absolutely. It feels great to, to, um, you know, to play these venues that you dream of playing and hearing yourself on the radio. So it's been incredible. I think it's just due to just not giving up, you know, when you give up, (laughs) it's definitely not going to happen. And what, you know, what's that saying that most people, most people give up, you know, right before they make it. Yeah, I mean, there's stories of people like, you know, uh, they quit digging oil wells, you know, like, and they're like, really, they're like two feet away. If they had just kept digging, they would have struck gold and been millionaires, uh, multi-millionaires. But, uh, you know, in my, in what I would call my graduating class of Nashville, the people that I moved to Nashville with in 1997, the people that I was seeing at nightclubs and uh, open mics and, and writer's nights, we all moved to town and we're like, Hey, how are you? We, you know, we got to know each other and we're sharing our vision for what we wanted to accomplish. And so I would say 90% of those people went home after the first year or two. Really? Yeah. They just gave just, up. Just couldn't, couldn't cut it anymore. Yeah. I mean, Nashville is a, is a, um, it's a nice city. There's a community here. It, it's, um, very welcoming but at the same time it's very tough i mean it's an entertainment it's an entertainment town just like new york or la and um a lot of people just uh man they just lose that fire they lose the focus of their dream and they give up and they pack up and they go back to their you know small town america or whatever they were doing before right so how did you how did you keep that going like so you grew up in connecticut right yeah, I'm originally from Connecticut, um, okay. and I I left Connecticut when I was 11, and I moved to Texas from one of my job my dad's jobs took him us to Texas. So here I am. I go from Milford, Connecticut to El Paso, Texas. Total culture shock, but you know I'm a firm believer in everything having for a reason, you know, and and you mm-hmm. having like uh, some sort of a destiny. There's things you can control within your destiny, but there's a little bit of a plan. And my plan was to to go to Texas, you know, so I ended up right. in Texas and, and it was great because Texas has an awesome music education program. You know, um, they really are a hundred percent behind music in the schools in Texas and they still are. And I can't believe, you know, I can come to find out that like, um, a state like California, like, you know, there's almost no music in the schools in California. And it's like, wow, this is a really? state that's known. Yeah. The state that's known for the entertainment industry and um, no music in the schools. You know, they're getting rid of uh, there's all these budget cuts, and they're 
they're putting their priorities in other places. But in Texas, it was strong, so I was able to, you know, take lessons very early on and then get involved in school music programs. And, um, you know, it keeps you out of trouble, man. You know, I had a yeah. focus. You know, I was I was doing good things every day with my music. And and let's face it, you know, if you want to get good at something you need, you got to put those 10,000 hours in, right? So, right, right. Um, the Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. Yeah. So it was Texas. Texas gets a bad rap, you know. I mean, um, but they're really and they really support the arts. Hmm. So then, coming up through um, through Texas, you started to kind of make your name down there uh, as a drummer. Yeah, you know, I I ended up I I did a four I did a four year degree in music at Texas Tech University, which is great because it was a smaller program, about thirty six percussion majors. And I was able to get hands-on experience playing um, in the jazz band and the jazz combo and the new music ensemble and the percussion ensemble, marching band, symphonic band, uh, playing drums, playing music all day, every day for four and a half years. And then I ended up going to the University of North Texas. You know, it's a famed music program. It was one of the Mm -hmm. first, uh, you know, uh, colleges in the, in the in the world offer a degree in jazz, which is, which is, sounds kind of crazy, but uh, hmm. they have this uh, this wonderful lab band program that a lot of great drummers have come through, like you know Greg Bissonette and Ray Brinker and Blair Sinta and Keith Carlock. Um, a lot of a lot of great drummers have come through the program. So I, I lived in that world for two and a half years, and then after I graduated from the University of North Texas, either you stay in Denton, Texas. Or you move into Dallas and you freelance and you become part of that scene, or most everybody goes um, makes their way for one of the coasts, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, Dallas has a great music scene, so I moved into Dallas for a while because while I was getting my masters up in Denton, Texas, I was developing a reputation as a as a reliable player in Dallas. So you know, I was playing in. I was playing in these big charismatic church groups and, and I had little fusion bands and smooth jazz groups and big bands. And I played in the top, uh, really nice top 40 band where we, you know, played with a lot of tracks and sequences and I was teaching and playing on jingles and it was healthy. It was really healthy. There's a lot of growth. Um, but you know, my ultimate goal was to see the world on somebody else's dime you know, ride a tour bus, hear myself on the radio. And, and I just didn't think that was going to happen in Dallas, Texas. So, um, I wanted to go out to sunny Los Angeles and was kind of, you know, doing some research about that scene. And I, I ended up getting an opportunity to, to take three auditions. It was just one audition with a gal named Trisha Yearwood in, in, in Nashville. And that led to, as a result of meeting people on that first, um, audition two other back-to-back auditions like uh three weeks in a row i did three major auditions in nashville and they went really well musically um i was very happy with my playing on all of them it just turned out that uh three times in a row the guy that ended up getting the job was somebody that actually already lived in nashville so it was kind of like a red light moment for me it was like "Uh aha i think i need to live in nashville and people seem to enjoy my playing there. And, um, okay, here we go. I gave my band two weeks notice and I moved to Nashville. <laughs> right. That was like, uh, 
16 years ago. Wow. So do you think that they're more apt to hire somebody that lives down the street than, than lives, you know, a couple hundred miles away? Absolutely. I think, I think the whole world runs on relationships and, uh, people want to hang with their friends. They want to hire their friends. They want to champion their friends. So, um, you know, in these last 16 years, I've gotten one or two jobs from an audition, from, Mm -hmm. from an audition, but most of the time it's literally from just, you know, having a, a, a reliable network of people that you enjoy their time and talents and they enjoy your time and talents and you look out for each other. And, um, I think that's how it works. I know it could be a little bit more competitive in, in, um, in New York and LA, but Nashville is very, very relationship and friendship based. Well, I know that I was having a conversation with Mel Brown, uh, the bass player a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying that, you know, he's done all this touring work and session work and everything. And he said the same thing that I think he's got like one or two gigs from auditioning and the rest have been like friends of friends. And, and, you know, he said, there's probably a thousand people out there that can play circles around me, but you know, but he, he has the, the right attitude and the right relationships with these people. And he said, that's why I keep getting hired. Sure. I mean, it's, that's a textbook photocopy of, of my philosophy <laughs> and my career. Right. You know, there's always going to be somebody that's better than you. I mean, and you have to define better. You know, for drums, it's like, well, are they faster? Are they louder? Do they know more rudiments? Can they read better? Do they have faster double bass? It's like, you know, you want to have, you want to be able to get a skill set together where you can make yourself marketable and be able to cover almost any style of music because that gives you, when you have that skill set, it gives you a, a better opportunity to be the right drummer for more types of music, right? Right. So if you can combine a great skill set with um, people skills and some some savvy business follow through, and and just putting together, like I said, a reliable group of people that you call friends. You can call it a network. You can call it a tribe. You can call it whatever you want. But but um, that's really uh, how it works. And when I get called to hire some somebody on a session, recommended bass player, recommended guitar player, put a showcase band together, make a recommendations for somebody's touring band. I go, I'm going through my list of my favorite people on each instrument, right? So, mm-hmm. so for a drummer, you want to be, you want to be, um, a favorite player in person to as many people as possible. That's, total, that's, you know, that's, that's totally amazing. makes sense. Yeah. And so once you get into Nashville, um, I know that there is definitely a big jump between, you know, playing at Roberts and then playing at Madison Square Garden, say. Um, and I'm sure that it can get quite discouraging at times. Uh, so I guess the question is, how do you really how do you bridge that gap? Cause I think that there's a lot of people out there, you know, that are, that are playing local gigs and playing restaurant gigs and little like club dates and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. want to bridge the gap and play with, you know, move it to the next level. Um, what would you suggest in, in that realm? Yeah. Well, you got to take every gig that comes along. Um, and every gig that comes along, play it like it's the last gig you're ever going to play it. And if you're taking care of business like that, consistently uh, consistently 
you know, if people know that, man, every time I see Nick play, man, he, he knocks out of the ballpark, man. He plays, he plays from the heart. People are, are going to talk and they're gonna, you're going to get hired more. You're going to be working a lot. And then when you're working a lot, you have a better chance to be seen by more and more people. And for me, um, I was doing that, you know, I was playing, and I was playing in clubs till three in the morning and then getting up and going and teaching or working a, a, like a day gig to, hate, to help pay the bills. And I was going out on my off nights and sitting in and crashing parties and just trying to make more connections. So for me, um, the one, you know, for every hundred things you have going, every hundred projects, like one will work out, you know, for me, mm-hmm. um, it, it ended up being that, uh, a young singer named Jason Aldean got signed to a record deal in 2004. And since I had ridden in the van and done the low paying showcases and hustled and done the early recording sessions and we were friends, um, it was like, okay, I was going to, he championed me and all of his people championed me and his entire band. And we played on that record and then the record impacted radio and we were able to um, have the right things in place, the right management, the right booking agent, the um, uh, the right band, the right songs, the right timing, and uh, we were able to go out and 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 hustle for for eight years to get from um, the club to the larger venues, right? Mm-hmm. So so for a drummer. You're not a front man, so you're only going to be as good as the band that you're playing with, the artist that you're playing with. So you have to find, for me, that was my goal as a young man, was to find my Elton John, find my Billy Joel, find my Mellencamp, find that situation where I could play drums, work, make a living, and in the process, maybe possibly formulate a sound and a vibe and an energy and leave hopefully some sort of a body of work behind, you know, and so far I've been lucky. I mean, we're about to start recording a sixth record. So we've probably cut like 75 or so, you know, Jason Aldean songs and, uh, I've been touring nonstop for eight years. So it's good, you know, and the fans are incredibly rabid and loyal and, um, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll be at it a while. That's that's great news. That really is. I'm I'm really happy for you. You definitely deserve it. Thank you so much, man. It's it's been like I said, it's been great. A lot of hard work, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. you get on that bus and you hump it, and you get out there and you take the music to the people, and you know the the food they have backstage for you, and the accommodations in the early days are not always the best, right? But you have to just kind mm-hmm. of like you know push forward and always play your best, and and um, you know hopefully the act that you're with will 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 grow wings and and will right. find its audience and find success. Now you speak of the early days. How did how did you stay motivated? Cuz I know you're you're kind of into the same stuff that I am like the the Napoleon Hill and and uh and all that. Did you find a lot of motivation in that stuff? Sure, yeah, motivational. Any kind of motivation, anything that motivates you, it could be Friends, um, good food, exercise, meditation, great literature, great music, you know, anything that's going to keep you on path and focused on your goal and living a well-balanced life, you know, I mean, um, you know, my, the, the, my, my trap now is that I don't, I have less balance in my life because I, 
I've gotten closer to achieving my dreams and the, you know, the closer you get, the busier you get. And then, so it's a real, uh, it's an interesting thing, you know, how life is, you know, right. be careful what you wish for, <laughs> you know, sure. make sure that you really, really want that thing because once you find success, then the hard work actually really begins, you know, right. um, sustaining but, it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, I've always been a pretty positive, high-energy person, you know. Like, I walk into a room, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? You know, I mean, it's like, it's better than being the wallflower. I mean, that's just right. not me, you know. But, right. yeah, there's some, the there some low moments, you know, when you, like, when you, there's some dips in your career. I mean, the music business is like a roller coaster ride, man. There's peaks and valleys, and, and, and you know, as musicians, we find ourselves between gigs sometimes, and that's the time when you have to, like, recharge and find some new focus, put some practice hours in, maybe get some exercise, get out of town, visit with friends, you know, find some things to, to refocus your energy and uh, stay on track. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? So now with, with everything you got going on, um, other than the Jason Aldean stuff, you also have your new voice entertainment. So you do production work for, for groups and things like that. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit. How's that going for you? No, it's good, man. Actually, new, new voice entertainment, we call it Envy, you know, is, uh, mm -hmm. it's good. We've been around like six or seven years and it's, it's basically my best pals, Kurt Allison, Tully Kennedy and, and David Fanning and Kurt and Tully, you know, I've been playing with them, you know, pretty nonstop since 1999. Um, so we're kind of became a rhythm section for hire and we were, those are all the cats in the, in the Jason Aldean band, right? Yes, yes, yeah, we're we're yeah, we're the Jason Aldean rhythm section, and right. uh, actually the the band uh, is also made up of uh, Jack Sizemore and um, Jay Jackson. Is, is so oh, it's okay. a, you know it's a and and um, and those guys are fantastic, and they have their own side projects too. And so me, Kurt, and Tully, yeah, we we you know have always been a rhythm section for hire, and. Um, started this production company six or seven years ago and um we you know put out two produced uh two records on a group called thompson square that's mm -hmm. having some fun success and there's a group called parmalee that's on in the ch on the top uh 40 charts right now they're on their second or third single they're really great uh country rock band and then we're working with a young singer songwriter guitar slinger chick named Lindsay l that's probably going to be going out and doing some big opening slots with uh I don't, i'm not going to say just because i don't know if it's the press release has come out but you'll be able to see her on the road um she's fantastic and we're going to be doing a record actually on our partner david fanning who's also a wonderful artist so we'll probably start cutting his record for you know a, uh, a 2014 release here pretty soon so yeah we've actually had a pretty light new voice here which has given me more time to really really focus on you know, doing my doing my crash course for success events, doing master classes, focusing on some books that I'm writing, and then, you know, all sorts of other events. Like I've got the Percussive Arts, my second appearance at the Percussive Arts Society convention mm -hmm. is coming up, which is great. That's going to be November 16th. And yeah, man, I'll be there, actually. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. It'll be good to see you. Um, and I'm doing on November 24th, I'm doing the 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 Big Beat Woodstick um extravaganza um, where's that texas it's in tacoma like tacoma uh, some of the some of the 
each state has their own big beat. Like I've done the one in Kentucky and I've done the one in Texas. I got you. So this is the, the Woodstick, which is, you know, Don Bennett's studio, drum mm-hmm. studio in Tacoma puts it on and and our goal this year is going to be to have over 570 we want to beat the record of having over 570 drum set players playing at the same time (laughs) which is great and and all the proceeds go to music education to help buy instruments for underfunded music programs in 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 washington state so that's great that's really good so it's just it's been a great year and i i guess i can use this as a cool public forum to announce that um, I have a book called um, Fundamentals of Drumming. Fun is capitalized. Fundamental Fundamentals of Drumming for Children. And um, it's coming out. Um, it's coming out early next year, and it's going to be um, published by Modern Drummer Publications, which is, you know, we all know Modern Drummer, not only the quality of the magazine, but they, they've, they've had a publishing arm, and they, you know, they're the same people that brought you, you know, uh, Joe Morello's Master Studies and mm-hmm. Bill Bruford's When in Doubt Roll. And, of course, the new Bill Bachman book is really fantastic. So we're going to be in that collection there. So we're really That's excited. Great. Yeah. Great, great. So who did, did you co-write that with someone or did you write that on your own? Absolutely. I have a great pal named Michael Albrecht who is a... He's a published author and a historian and a filmmaker and drummer. And and most like all relationships, just out of the blue, like yourself, he reached out to me and said, I have a young son that I want to teach drums, and there's not a lot of resources out there. Like, what do you recommend? And we started talking, and I said, well, you're right. There aren't a lot of resources for super young children, you know, ages right. 5 to 10. Let's write a book. <laughs> and we, nice. uh, we wrote a book and, and became good pals. And we realized that we talk almost every day with each other, like via text or Skype, or and uh, we had only we had we had only met in person one time when the book was fully finished. Really? <laughs> and That's and then nuts. one year later, we got together and we're like, "Do you realize? Like, I feel like I know you. Like, we're like best friends because we talk every day. But I've only been in your presence one time. And so we got together like a year later." At that same venue, he came out to a Jason Aldean show and backstage, and we were kind of working on the book. And we're about 75% done with our second book, which is going to be about navigating the Nashville music business. So people listening to this interview may be interested to you know follow up on that, because if, if you're a drummer or an, any instrumentalist or a singer, songwriter, artist, anybody that's interested in being in the Nashville machinery. This is going to basically just pull back the curtain through my eyes. I want to tell you my story, how I was able to, to, to get from point A to point B in this, what Marty Stewart calls the hillbilly Hollywood. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So we're, we're looking forward to wrapping up that book and then pitching it and trying to find a good home for it. Great. Great. And that's, you know, I think, uh, that's one of the main reasons why I actually started this, you know, with the podcast and the drum scene.com and everything, because there's not a lot out there. There's tons and tons of places where you can go and figure out how to play a rudiment, you know, or, or how to play, you know, a jazz groove or something, but there's not a lot out there to tell you, you know, how to handle your music business or how to market yourself or how to start your website and, and things like that. So that was kind of, you know, my reasoning for starting this site, because I 
done all that stuff. So I was, I want to try to share the knowledge with other people and then have guys like yourself and, you know, all these other people come on that can add, add more insight to that. So people can find a home to, to find out what's going on, you know, I think it's a great, there's a ton of great players. Yeah. I'm happy to be involved early on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. So let's. So you touched on your your uh, crash course. Let's talk about that a little bit and kind of. I know what it's about, but let's let's really explain to the listeners what that's all about. Yeah, man, you were one of the cats who saw me at the uh, collective there in New York City. Mm -hmm. That was a fun fun day. Um, That was until later that night. I hadn't eaten all day, and you know when you're when you're in New York, man, you can have any food at any time of the day. So I went to one of those 24-hour delis, and um, I, I, I watched the guy take the meat out of a package. I saw him make, wanted to do a, make a fresh flame broiled burger for me, man. And it was fantastic. It went down great. And like two hours later, I woke up with food poisoning, man. Uh, and you and know I what? I think, I think that we were supposed to get together the next day or something. I th- or oh, we man, had talked I, I, about it. And you were like, uh, you were like, dude, I'm sick. Like, I can't do anything. Yeah, and I had to fly. And let's 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 Ugh. face it, flying with food poisoning is just no no fun. So thank God Man. for my wife. She was there with me, and she, we she got me back to Nashville. But uh, but uh, but yeah, the crash course for success, man. Um, I get a lot of questions about this. I'm I'm so grateful that people think it's interesting. But crash is basically an acronym. It stands for commitment, relationships attitude, skill, and hunger. And it's basically a, a mantra, almost like a philosophy for living your life and being able to attract success to your life. And it's a philosophy that could work for anybody from a kindergarten, kindergartner to a CEO of a Fortune 50 company. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's great because I'm able to add some more value to doing a drumming event, you know, a lot of clinics are a drum solo, maybe play the tracks, take questions. And I thought that the format needed to be shaken and stirred a little bit. And, right. and, and so I just kind of like to add a little bit more value to the musical events. I do, I call them, uh, motivational music events where I do play the tracks. I may play play a drum solo, and I demystify what I do on a daily basis in Nashville. But I also talk about some of these um, conceptual things and how they apply to my life, and how that anybody in the audience can take that and and apply it to the and apply it to their own. So, um, hopefully, if you come to see uh, one of my clinics, it's a sixty to seventy five minutes action packed, a lot of playing, a lot of information. You know, it really was. It was great. The thing that I really liked about it was, like you said, the the format was different because I've seen hundreds of drum clinics and I've been to PASIC numerous times and, you know, NAM and, and all that stuff. And and these guys just, you know, play a blazing drum solo and they're like, okay, have a good day or, you know, keep practicing. So the, what you did, it was it was down to earth. It was real. And it kind of let people know everything about the music industry that yes you can do this but it's hard and sometimes it sucks and sometimes it's amazing you know and and there's this and there's that and then but when you leave you're like okay he just made me feel like i can i can do whatever i want to do which i think was is the main uh goal for that whole the whole clinic if i'm not mistaken right 
Oh, absolutely, and and also trying to drive home the the the, the some just ideas about basic musicianship and having your skill set together and um, trying to be as marketable as possible as a musician and then, you know, trying to also drive home the point that 98% of drummers are going to get hired to to play time and play songs and make things feel good. So, yes, you should be able to do a drum solo that is compelling and sexy. And and there's a way to do that, and that's a skill set as well. And if somebody in the audience wants to talk about that, we can talk about that. But, you know, um, all the drummers that live here in Nashville that own houses and cars – um, uh, they play time, they play songs, and they make right. things feel good, and they make people feel good. Uh, and so, so I try to drive home that point as well. But, but yeah, in a nutshell, you have to be committed to your instrument. You have to be committed to this long journey <clears throat> that is music. You have to honor relationships, formulate, cultivate relationships. It's best to, ha- to go through life with a winning attitude because um, it's the one thing people will always <clears throat> remember about you. Excuse me. You have to develop your skill sets, you know, and never stop developing skill sets. And you have to have a hunger that burns in your belly, a hunger for success. And it's a hunger that that's a flame that you have to keep lit, you know, throughout Mm -hmm. your life. Even when you start to find success, when you start to find success, that's when a lot of people um, pull back and they, they start to... Uh, they derail a little bit because they get cocky they or right. they get comfortable and 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 comfort is dangerous you know it yeah. really is um, yeah absolutely and that's and all of the all the stuff that you talk about at the crash course is cross platform which i think is great um you know like you said if you want to it's kind of it 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 scares me a little bit how much you and i think alike i mean when yeah. i f- I first heard an interview of you when you were talking about Napoleon Hill and I was like, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. Cause I'm like really into Napoleon Hill. So I had this concept for this thing called rudiments for success. So basically, you know, the building blocks for success. So whether you want to lose 20 pounds or be the CEO of a fortune 500 company, that's what I used to say. And then when I hear you explain it, I'm like, that's exactly what I say. Yeah. And then, well, I mean, it's obvious that you take art to the, to those kind of philosophies. I mean, you're right. You're a successful business owner. In addition to drumming, you know you're already running a successful business. So, so um, you know that stuff works. You know that stuff is time tested. For those listeners out there, there's a, there was a a great author named Napoleon Hill who was given the job. Literally, he was paid by Andrew uh, Andrew Carnegie, or was it Rockefeller? I forget. To um, Carne- it was uh, it was Carnegie. Carnegie. He was paid by Andrew Carnegie to make a lifelong study of a hundred of the most successful men in the world. And he was able to find commonalities between these men and the things that they all shared in common, the way they uh, approached their life and their thinking, the way their minds worked. And he found that across those hundred men, there was these certain, certain traits that all these uber successful men had. And um, and so it's a, it's really really interesting to read his bo- read his books. Uh, if there's, I think that the Napoleon Hill concept should be in 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 school in public I totally education. Totally agree. Totally agree. You know, because they don't they don't teach you that kind of stuff in school. I mean, he had the you know the law. He had Think and Grow Rich, and then and then the laws of success, which were like the thirteen commonalities that that you're talking about, but. I don't, 
I don't think that they teach you how to be successful in school. No, they don't. I mean, the three the three R's is not going to cut it anymore. We, I think we need to shake things up in public education, right. um, just in education in general. So if you have a head full of pointless knowledge, it's like that's not going to get you anywhere. You have to actually apply knowledge, right? You have to apply knowledge. And one, another thing we should do is focus is focus on telling kids to find their passion really early on because the sooner you find your passion, the sooner you can start cultivating it and putting in those 10,000 hours and, and, and formulating the path for your life. You know, if you wait till your senior year in high school to decide, well, I, this kind of interests me, it's almost too late because you've lost your opportunity for a scholarship to a college, right? Um, right. to, to take something seriously for four years. And, of course, that opens the whole idea is, you know, in the music business, do you need a college degree? Because I play, 90% of the musicians I play with do not have college degrees. They're street musicians. Their their music was in their family, and they played nightclubs, and that's, and that's, that's completely valid. And getting an education, a formal education, is, is valid as well. So I would say there are no rules in the music business. It's... There's no rules at all on how to get from point A to point B and be a successful touring drum set side man, right? Because there's two right. ways to go about it. You can be sure. a side man or you can go for the brass ring and try to be the next Larry Mullen, Stuart Copeland, Joey Kramer, where you're a full-fledged member of a band that becomes uber, uber successful, which nowadays, because of the health of the music industry, happens less and less and less. Because right the few remaining record labels that do exist, they are not going to spend their time dealing with three, four, or five personalities in a band. They're going to sign one person to the contract, and then that one person has to, you know, it's usually the singer, has got to decide if they're going to split touring, merchandising, and publishing royalties with the other guys in the band. Right. So um, going the band route has a way bigger payout on the back end. Whereas being a side man, you can make a steady paycheck for the rest of your life. And then you just have to figure out how to do smart things with your money. So if you get arthritis later on in life, you can retire and, you know, uh, watch the sunset at night with your wife and sip wine and stuff. Anyways, I'm sorry. I was just fantasizing. I was fantasizing about living in Maui and sipping wine. (laughs) Have you ever heard the you ever heard the story about the the uh, the Harvard MBA that that goes down to Mexico? No. So the guy, it's a, I'll tell you, I'll try to make it quick. This guy, he's a Harvard you know MBA, goes down to Mexico and he meets this guy and he's he's fishing and he catches a couple of fish, and uh, and he's done for the day. So he said, well, why don't you stay out longer, you know, and 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 uh, and catch some more fish. And he's like, well, I get out here a little bit late in the afternoon. I fish. I get enough to feed my family. I go home. You know, I have dinner. I play with my kids. And then I go down to the local town center. And I play guitar. And I drink wine with my friends. And then I go to bed. And I sleep in. I go do, do it all over again the next day. And he said, well, what? If, you stayed, if you got up earlier and stayed out there longer, you would catch more fish. And he said, for what? And he said, well, then you could sell some. You would have more money for your family. And he's like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, you, you know, if you did it enough, you could – then open up a cannery and, you know, you can make millions and millions of dollars and ship it to the United States and you could do all this stuff. He said, well, well, he said, really? I could, I could make millions. 
And he said, yeah. And he said, well, and then what? You know, and then he's like, and then you expand here and expand here. And, and he's and he keeps asking, and then what? And then what? And then he says, and then you take the whole entire thing and you package up the whole company and you sell it for millions and millions and millions of dollars. And he said, and then what? He said, and then you can just go out and do whatever you want. And you can come home and play with your kids and, you know, sit in the in the town center and play guitar and drink wine with your friends. I'm, like, I'm already doing that. <laughs> that's awesome i mean because it does these are things you think about especially the older as you become an older um uh musician you know what i mean because it is it's a very youth-oriented business and the money is completely up and down and up and down you know there's like i said there's peaks and valleys so you kind of have to you know um man it's it, it's it's tough. It, it it really is. You have to put aside some money out for rainy days, and there will sure. be rainy days, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, back to what you said about about finding your passion. I think that a lot of people make a distinction between what they're passionate about and what they're going to do for a living. You know, and it's like a lot of people think that they can't do both, or a lot of people think that they can't have their passion and have that be their living. As well, which is sad because I think that that schools teach you that, and that's how people are brought up. That okay, you do this for money, and you do this for fun and for your passion. You know, yeah, it's it's really it's really sad that, and it makes me sad to know that so many people with talents will go through life and will not be able to 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 realize their artistic visions. You know, because they were just because. Somebody told them that they that wasn't a job. Right. You know what I mean? And thank mm-hmm. God that my parents said, this kid really takes this stuff seriously, and he's getting good grades in school, and it's not interfering with anything. If anything, it's helping him focus, and he's really good at it, and love it, and people like to see him do it, and it makes him happy, and, and we're going to support him 100% on that. Whereas other parents would be like, uh, no, that's not worthy of a, of, a, of a career. That's not a career choice. A doctor, a lawyer, uh, a business owner, those are career choices. And like, you know, I am running a business. I'm selling a product, and the product is me. Because before Absolutely. I pick up a set of sticks, people have to, they have to buy into you as a person. So that's why the whole idea of, of, of really incredible musicians that are kind of like jerks and are not good people in the core and are not fun to be around, they won't last. They may have a, 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 a small bit of success, but, but ultimately people are hiring you um, before they even hear you play a note of music. Right, right. You know, and, you know it's just like anything else. If you hired a guy to come fix your sink and, and all three times he came, he, you know, he was late and did a crappy job, you're not going to call him anymore. He's not going to make Angie's list. Right, right. <laughs> Whoever that is. <laughs> right. No, I mean, yeah, we, I mean, we're not talking a whole lot about music here, but I mean, this stuff is really, I mean, this stuff is almost, you know, you and I see eye to eye on it. It's, mm-hmm. I, I think it's the responsibility of the schools to like tell kids that they can do anything they want to do. Right. Anything. Um, but then, then you have to roll up your sleeves and, and, and make it so. And, and a lot of people just aren't brave enough to do it. Because it's, you know, it's tough. I mean, I know that my girlfriend, for example, was, you know, had this great job and she was making great money and she was like, I hate it. I'm miserable. 
Yeah. You know, and I said, well, what do you want to do? And she told me what she wanted to do. And I said, well, then go do that. You know, quit. Right. So she did. She she quit her job, and now she's like in school to be a wine sommelier, and and because that's what she wanted to do. And it's you know it's rough to or it's scary to to really chase after it. You know, rather than taking the the safe route and getting the job with the four hundred one k and the three weeks paid vacation and all that. Oh yeah, I would love a I would love a four hundred one k. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know what what that thing is. Yeah, yeah, man. So I'm guessing a lot of this goes into what you're going to talk about at your, uh, you have a drummer's weekend coming up in, in Nashville, right? Yeah, man. I'm super excited about it. It's, um, it's just going to be a love fest, man, with drummers. I got drummers between like 14 and 40 and they're, um, I got the idea because there's a lot of fantasy camps going on and some, some, you know, famous drummers, uh, friends that are on the coast that are putting camps together or, they call them intensives or camps, you know, basically where it's like around three days of training with these drummers. And I said, well, that's great. Let's do three days. Let's do three to eight hour days. And let's put the focus on getting the information out there about people that are wanting to come to Nashville and navigate this, the drummers that want to come to Nashville and navigate this. And um, I found out the information all the hard way. So I was thinking, you know, I'm going to give all this, all my years of experience and all my wisdom and all my storytelling and all everything I think you need to be successful here. I'm just going to give it away. I'm going to package it all up. And hopefully the information, if there are people are really serious about coming here and they tough it out, maybe it'll shave five years off their journey, you know, because I'm going right. to say, you have to learn how to do this. You have this is important. This is important. You got to know how to play this groove. You got to mm. have this to gear. And and not only me because it's always more effective to hear the same story from 20 different people. So I'm having all my friends come in. So I have like I'm having like a studio drum panel with like Nick Buddha and Chris McHugh and Tommy Harden, which are really? fantastic drummers that you should probably have on your show and uh and um, I've got full-blown clinics with my pal Jim Riley from the Rascal Flats mm-hmm. and my friend Troy Laquetta from the rock band Tesla. And I have producers and songwriters and rhythm sections and other musicians coming in to talk to the kids where basically the kids can ask anything they want from these people. Like, what is a, what is a Nashville producer looking for in a drummer? And, and there's also going to be a rhythm section on hand where the kids can get up and play with a group of guys like Josh Stone's bass player is going to be there. My friend John oh, Foster who plays all over Nashville. Kids get to get up and play Hicktown or She's Country while reading a number chart while playing with this awesome rhythm section. So, um, and then of course, don't even get me started with all the amazing sponsors that play into what I do all the time. You know, DW and Sabian and Remo, Promark, Roland, Gator. They're all Audio-Technica. They're all behind the event 100%. So all the kids that come to the event, everybody's got to bring a big suitcase because everybody's going home with like loads of gear. That's awesome, man. So how so you're saying that the age group of the the attendees is 14 to 40? Yeah, I mean that's not the cutoff. I mean it's not a requirement right, right. but kind of like the spread I have. And the reason I say 14 is because um it's definitely not a camp for beginners. It's definitely for people that can play some drums, have some experience mm-hmm. playing the drums, and that are looking ahead to possibly moving to Nashville. Um, and f- actually forging a career. Yeah. 
Yeah, so because at the end of the last night of the camp, I'm going to have the kids come. We're going to go to a nightclub, and I'm going to have that same rhythm section, and they're going to get up, and they're going to play some barroom classics in front of a live Nashville audience. So so it's going to give them their, their experience of playing at a, at, a, at, a, at a nightclub in Nashville where many musical acts were, were signed to record deals, you know. So That's awesome. It just sounds fun. It sounds fun. It's kind of it came from it came from within. It came from from my brain, and we're putting it out there. And um, I'm I'm hoping to build it year after year and make it a yearly event. So, how many people do you have? Come? I think I saw today on Facebook that there was like three slots left or something. Yeah, we got some slots left. Um, the best way to check it out would be to go to my website, richredmond.com. R e d m o n d. And you'll see on the homepage, you can click on the the, um, the announcement, and it'll take you and show you how to register and sign up. And my friend uh, Josh Mile in, in out in Palm Springs, he's my event coordinator. He's been really great with like getting everybody signed up and walking everybody through the process. But Josh Mile and Mile is spelled M I G H E L L, and you can just go right to Josh Mile, and his email is Josh dot. Mile M I G H E L L at gmail dot com, and and he'll get you all signed up and walk you through the whole process. We're gonna have a great time, you know. Awesome, and I'll put all the uh, I'll put all of this information, your website, and all of Josh's information, everything. I'll put it on on the drumscene dot com, so all that stuff will be linked on there, so people can can check it out. What's the dates of that, Rich? Oh, the, the the dates are November one, two, and three. So we're gonna go from nine to five on all three days. And then on the, uh, I have special activities um, on the Friday and Saturday night. I've, I've rented out some really swanky restaurants, the party rooms and some swanky restaurants here in Nashville, and all my, um, all my touring and recording drummer friends are going to come by, and you're going to be able to break bread with, um, with all these people that you see on CMT and here on the radio every day. That's awesome. Such a good idea, man. It really is. I hope so, man. I, I, I hope people enjoy it. I put a lot of um, mental energy into it, so I'm looking forward to it. Good. So anything else you want to let everyone know about? Anything else you got going on? I know you're on tour uh, with Jason right now. Yeah, man. Oh, my God. Well, there's so much stuff. Uh, let me see. Um, lay, yeah. lay it on us, man. Dude, finishing up Aldine's tour, you know, the way we tour in Nashville, for you listeners out there, it's really cool. We're in the heart of the country, so we're able to – come back and forth to Nashville every week. So I'm looking at my cat right now. The cat's not dead. <laughs> I can water the plants. I can kiss What's my wife. What's the cat's name? Uh, you know, Sassy. Sassy? Sassy the cat. I know I'm going <laughs> to no. get a lot of I'm going to get a lot of interesting mail on this one, but cats My cat's name's Omar, so I don't really have any I don't have any room to talk. Touring drummers, man. Cats are great for touring drummers because they're so independent. I'm like, hey, I haven't seen you in three weeks. The neighbors got my key to my house. They come over, they play with her, they feed her, I do and the same. <laughs> then I spoil the rotten when I, you know, when I come home. But uh, right. yeah, so yeah, man. So we're finishing up the Aldine tour. You know, we we get to town. We I come back usually every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and that's when I'm able to write songs, teach, produce, um, do sessions for other people. There's always something going on here in Nashville. And then we get on the bus on Wednesday night. Um, to, tonight, I'm actually, actually three o'clock today, I'm getting on a flight going out to Fresno and I'll be in sunny California for two weeks and we'll be finishing up the tour. The most 
the biggest thing I'm excited about for actually for the entire year. I mean, we've played two nights at Fenway. We did Wrigley. We did Madison Square Garden. We did the University of Georgia. Um, 66,000 fans. I'm going to play the Hollywood Bowl. That's what I am so excited about. What an iconic, um, hopefully it's the first of many times, but October 19th, I'll be playing the Hollywood Bowl. And today, God, perfect day for an interview. There's in 30 cities around the United States. I bet there's information at jasonaldean.com. We just released a live concert film. It's like a movie, practically. It's a, a, a new live concert film, and it's going to run um, in, in 30 theaters for one night tonight um, around the country. And then the DVD will drop, I believe, next Tuesday. And it's uh, Jason Aldean, Night Train to Georgia, live from Athens, Georgia. We did it in front of 66,000 people. And there's, it's just a huge production, man. I mean, to, nice. the last DVD we did was in front of 5,000 people. So there's another 61,000 people at this show. And I just saw yesterday we did like a, like a private screening, and it was, it was really impressive to see what, um, you know, five, six guys have been able to do by going out there and humping. And, of course, Jason's team is very deep, you know, the publicists and the booking agencies and the man. you got to have a team, you know, to, to accomplish what he's been able to accomplish. But we're very proud of that. Um, I hope I'm not be. rambling. So we're finishing that tour, yeah, October 26th, and then going into Drummer's Weekend, going into the um, – excuse me, i got to drink my coffee – Percussive Art Society Convention. And the weekend before, the weekend before the Percussive Arts Society Convention, that's November 16th, I'll be in, in Indianapolis. Um, mm-hmm. Modern Drummer is doing a, a, a drum rock and roll slash drum fantasy camp at the MGM in Vegas. And I will be stopping by and hanging out all day on Saturday, November the 9th at uh, Modern Drummer's uh, Rock and Roll Drum Fantasy Camp. And I think there's going to be some beautiful people there like um, Danny Sywell, you know, from Wings and McCartney and um, Jim Keltner. And somehow I got thrown in the mix. I said, man, throw me the tambourine. If Keltner's playing, just throw me the tambourine and the maracas or something, man. <laughs> so, so I'm going to be at that. And then, of course, Woodstick is going to be November 24th in Tacoma. And um, then December is just going to be a lot of songwriting, a lot of producing, and hoping, um, working towards getting some of these these books released. Yeah. So really, yeah, man. There's a lot going. There's a lot going on, man. There is every day. I see you post something on Facebook, and it's like I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and I'm like, Good lord, this guy never sleeps. Well, it just you know the the thing is is that it's all happening at the same time, which is crazy because. You know, I've been planting seeds now for, you know, I've been playing drums since 1977. I've been in Nashville 16 years, and I always try to play my best, and I've been planting a lot of seeds, and it just so happens that every seed is, is blossoming into something really special, so I'm really grateful for that. It's just a matter of keeping that garden watered, <laughs> and right. it, it just it does take a lot of effort, but... I, I appreciate uh, all the support from you know guys like yourself and your listeners, and I, I have no doubt that this uh, podcast can be a big success for you, man. It's gonna be great. Well, thanks, man. I I appreciate. It. I really appreciate you you doing this. I mean, we just went over all the stuff that you do, so you're definitely a busy guy. But you've always been uh, 
like I said, very accessible. And anytime I call you or text you or email or whatever, you're always, you know, quick to get back and willing to help. And, and, uh, I, I really do appreciate that. Nick, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much. Uh, and to all the listeners out there, thanks for listening. We'll see you on the road. And we'll talk to you soon. All the best. So there you have it from my man, Rich Redman. Always great to chat with him. For more information about Rich and the Jason Aldean tour, you can go to richredman.com or jasonaldean.com. Check out our website, drummersresource.com. And you can like our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash drummersresource. Hit me up on Twitter, Nick underscore Ruffini, R-U-F-F-I-N-I. And until then, keep drumming. Thanks for listening. Later. 